Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilbo, joined by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on? I'm doing well. I'm feeling significantly more awake than the last podcast that we recorded, Very which good. I went back and listened to, by the way. I sound like a zombie. <laughs> but yeah, yeah well, so I'm good feeling good. Happens to the best of us. Uh, interesting day here in the Penn State universe as uh, the college football playoff rankings were put out uh, about an Two hours ago, uh, the Nittany Lions came in in seventh place ahead of Oklahoma, which is something that we've talked about as being a potential cause for concern. And if you're a panelist on ESPN, you are very mad about this and many other things, most of which involving USC. We'll talk about all this in a minute, but we're also going to really focus on Penn State's kind of massive game for reasons other than they would win a silly-looking trophy against No, that's the only reason it matters. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe for nothing me- more important. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about Penn State, Michigan State. And to do that, we decided to go out and uh, get our friend Chris Vanini, the managing editor of CoachingSearch.com and a podcaster for The Only Colors, SB Nation's Michigan State site. Chris, what's going on? I'm doing well, but I'm, I'm sure your listeners know me best from our pre-WrestleMania podcast. Yes, we, <laughs> we, we will definitely do a WrestleMania podcast and we won't tell Nick when we're doing it per usual, just, well, just because Nick would probably be very upset with us if he knew we were doing a WrestleMania podcast. I'm and it's still, better to do I'm it still after. trying. I'm still trying to slowly like get into it. Yeah. You, you got I'm WWE tr- 2K16, right? Yeah. It was the free download. I still play it all the time. It's great. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, also nice is the fact that, uh, Penn state's in a bit of a, weird spot in that taking on Michigan state, a team that is uh, three and eight on the year, which I don't think anyone, I don't know. No, I don't think anyone saw it coming. Nobody saw this coming out of the Spartans uh, the team. However, has put some scares into some pretty good teams. I mean, it had just went blow for blow for a fair amount of time with Michigan. That game against Ohio state last week, I thought they were going to win it. Uh, Mark D'Antonio went for a two-point conversion late that was a rather controversial call. I liked it. Some other people didn't, whatever. But, Chris, the question that I want to ask you, and this is probably the simplest question possible, and you have probably gotten it about a million times from various people, what is up with Michigan State this year? Well, I'll also say this is the highest-rated three-win team in the country. Yes, that is in true. S- in S&P, so... You know, look out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's the question that that we've had all year, and I mean, it's 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 not any one thing be, because it's everything. They outside of a handful of games, they haven't run the ball well. They haven't passed the ball well. They haven't protected the quarterback. They haven't gotten to the quarterback. They haven't stopped the run very well. They haven't stopped the pass very well, and their special teams aren't good. So it's it's everything. It's not like there's been a, a, a part of this team that you point to and say, this is the thing they're going to rely on. Now, in the last four weeks, it's it's been the running game with LJ Scott. But yeah, I mean, there were so many questions coming into this year because of all the star power they lost from last year's team. They lost Connor Cook. They lost Jack Conklin. They lost Shelly Calhoun. And you, you didn't quite know how they were going to replace them, but you gave D'Antonio the benefit of the doubt because of their history of developing players, and they just they just haven't this year. All, all the guys that they were relying on to fill in the holes did not play out. They lost three 
three offensive linemen to the NFL, and they have not re- they have not had adequate replacements. They lost eight defensive linemen from last year, either through graduation, booted off the team, or transfers. So that was kind of a a reset there. They, I mean, they did have Malik McDowell, yes. but that was about it uh, on the line. And linebacker was supposed to be their their part of strength, but Ed Davis coming back from injury hasn't been his old self. John Reschke, perhaps their best linebacker, got injured in Notre Dame game and was out for the year. Uh, Riley Bulla has dealt with injuries, and Chris Fry has dealt with injuries, and they've actually had to end up having to burn the red shirts of some freshmen at linebacker. And then defensive backs has been a, a problem for three years now. I know people think of this team and think about Darquez Denard and Trey Waynes and the great defensive backs they've produced, but they haven't done that in, in a while now. And in the defensive backfield is each year since 2013 been getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's been a bit of a decline. Now, I know I missed you made the playoff last year, but of the three straight really good teams, 2013 win the Rose Bowl, 2014 win the Cotton Bowl, and 2015 make the playoff, they progressively got worse. Uh, tw- 2013 was a all-around great team, could maybe been the, maybe the best team in the country. 2014, they set a bunch of offensive records on offense, but defense took a big step back. And then, and then, uh, 2015, they were not nearly as good as their record showed because Connor Cook bailed them out time and time again from all sorts of different situations and. They beat Ohio State and Michigan despite never leading in those games. So this has been a slow kind of decline. And this was always going to be the year where, you know, all kind of came to a head where you lost the star players. And they have not lived up to that uh, whatsoever. And you combine that with several close losses. They played Michigan tough. They played Ohio State tough. They lost Indiana in overtime. They led Illinois in the fourth quarter. They led Maryland in the fourth quarter. And, uh, so they've blown a lot of games in that too. So it's just about just about everything. And the coaching has been bad too. I mean, even Antonio himself, some strange, strange decisions from decisions from him. So just an overall not good uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, if there is a uh, if there is one thing that this team can hang its hat on, it's that it is one of the seven in the four and seven record possessed by the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the thing that really interests me, though, with Michigan State is that I always think of this team, even if they're not the most talented, even if they're not the fastest or the strongest or anything like that, there's always that sense of toughness, that sense of a never-give-up attitude. And that has always seemed like a kind of thing that in these close games, they're just going to grind them out and beat you in them. They've lost those close games this year. So, is one, has that kind of, you know, sense of toughness been there this year? And has there been this sense among the fan base that in these close games, you know, they could rely on that to help pull out a win that, you know, was kind of the formula for this team being so good in past years? Well, it's a team that really for two straight years has played up and down to its competition. I mean, you see the performance they put in against Michigan and Ohio State, and you realize that the losses to Indiana, to Northwestern, to Maryland, and to Illinois are just inexcusable, and and that falls upon the leadership of the team. It falls upon the the leaders, the players, and it falls upon the coaching, too, for not, not having the team mentally 
ready to go. They, they played well against Michigan, and they would go and lose to Illinois the very next week. So uh, there, there's been no sense of consistency with this team. Every week that a certain part of the team does well, it's, it's something else that does poorly the next time. And they ne- they've never gotten into any sort of rhythm. There's, outside of the Rutgers game, was about the only time where you could say, about the only time you could say, okay, they accomplished everything they wanted to accomplish. But it's Rutgers. <laughs> but then again, they couldn't do it against Furman. So from the very beginning, when they didn't look great against Furman, you kind of saw this possibly coming. Yeah, it's weird because I remember watching that Furman game but go and just going, eh, you know what? Like, first game of the year, this happens a lot. This is. Like, we see teams not really beat the hell out of lesser teams because, you know, again, it's the first week. They're breaking in a lot of parts. And they beat Notre Dame. And at the time, that seemed like it was going to be a really huge win for them, which, uh, in retrospect, with how this season has gone for Notre Dame, that hasn't really been the case. And then it's just been a lot of, you know, blown out by Wisconsin, lose a close one to Indiana, and then just a weird, weird season for Michigan State. But and Nick, I'm, they, they they were yeah, ranked in the top ten when oh, yeah. they beat Notre Dame. Yeah, everybody forgets it. This this is a top ten team technically at one. Oh point. yeah, I believe coming into the year, uh, when Bill Connolly did his preseason ranking of Big Ten programs, he had Michigan State number two ahead of only I mean behind only Michigan. So it's not like this, like you said, like this team. You know, we've known all year they were going to have some issues coming into this season. There was some talk of them coming in second and potentially if, you know, Michigan slips up along the way, winning the Big Ten East, and that just hasn't really happened. I want to bring Nick in right now, and there's this thing in my head, and I don't know if it's just because of when Penn State and Michigan State have played each other recently, um, it has ended in Michigan State just dragging Penn State all over the field. But heading into this game, do you have a sense of worry uh, outside, outside of the whole, you know, Penn State, uh, if they win this game and Ohio State wins, they're going to the conference title game. But you have a sense of worry that this Michigan State team is going to come out playing for pride and just roll, try its best to roll over Penn State? Well, I'll start by saying that there's, aside from the Kent State, Purdue, and Rutgers games, there hasn't been a game yet this year for Penn State where I haven't been a little nervous. <laughs> but... I <clears throat> I don't know. I feel I feel like I'm the direct I feel like everyone is worrying so much about this game for Penn State and I'm just frankly not that worried. And it's not because Michigan State doesn't scare me a little bit because despite their uh, I mean frankly lousy season, they still have good players. They still have good pieces. Obviously Malik McDowell being out for this game is huge for Penn State, but they still have other good players. But for me, it just all comes down to... I mean, there's a lot of factors in my mind that contribute to this being what I think should be a fairly straightforward path for Penn State here. And number one, it's that so far we've seen, like Chris was saying, the last time they played a real a real close game here was against Michigan. And the next week they went out and lost it, Illinois on the road. And now they just played a real close game against Ohio State. And I feel, as I said, I think on the last podcast... Michigan and Ohio State, like those are very traditional rivals for Michigan State. As much as we love the Land Grant Trophy, <laughs> and as much as it is the greatest trophy in sports, those those two are much more, uh, obviously, much more significant rivals for the Spartans. So, in those kind of games, I mean, 
<clears throat> you can't really just take the record and assume you know it's going to happen because those those are crazy games and Sparty put on their absolute best effort in those games. It's hard to put out an effort like that two weeks in a row. They gave their everything against Ohio. Every single play, they were fighting their hearts out. It's really hard to do that two weeks in a row, especially when the second week is going to another very talented team on the road for their senior day when they still have everything to play for. So that combined with the fact that I still really, really, really dislike Tyler O'Connor. I do not think he's a good quarterback. I didn't think he was a good quarterback last year in the very limited time he got. And I've been really unimpressed with him again this year. I just, I'm not super worried about this game and that might be come back and bite me in the ass, but I'm just not. Yeah. Uh, Chris, there's actually one more thing that I wanted to ask you before we get into this game. Uh, This is something that going into the season, uh, it made me think that even if Michigan State was a good team, I kind of raised my eyebrows. And that was the fact that they have played a football game every weekend since September 17th. Has there been a sense that this team is kind of, as it's coming to the end of the year, it's getting a bit worn down from playing what's going to be its 11th game in a row? Well, they've absolutely been ravaged by injuries uh they had two quarter they started Tyler O'Connor against Michigan benched him and then the backup got in got injured against Michigan then the third stringer got injured against Michigan so O'Connor came back in to finish Uh. the game they've uh they've had serious injuries on the offensive line Malik McDowell I think is gonna be out again he's been injured all year uh Darian Hicks one of their senior cornerbacks was hurting against Ohio State he'd missed some time just uh it, it hasn't helped the fact that they've played 11 games in a row. And it, it actually happened because um, Alabama backed out of a series with a home-and-home home with MSU a few years back. They wanted to turn it into a one game in Tuscaloosa, one game in Arlington. And MSU was like, you know, no, you can just get out if you want to. And so they didn't. So MSU had to kind of scramble to replace. And actually next year, they have a bye in week one. So they're set to play 12 straight games because of what this Alabama pullout did. My uh, gosh. Although D'Antonio did say today that that's going to be fixed. So I don't know exactly what that means, but it could be similar to what they do this year. But yeah, they, they've, I do think they're worn down definitely physically. I mean, they, they've dealt with a lot of injuries across the board for sure. Yeah. And, and not having a bye week has is, is not helped. Yeah, I was going to say, as someone who watched Penn State's linebacking core through the first six or seven weeks of the season, I definitely uh, I definitely sympathize with that. But let's get into this game. Uh, this is a game for the most important trophy in all of sports. You could take your uh, Larry O'Brien trophy, NBA fans. You could take the Vince Lombardi trophy, NFL plant fans, you can take the college football playoff trophy. I want the land grant trophy, that beautiful thing. Um, and we've, they should, they should pass it through the crowd. They should like, they should make it all the way up to my section in the upper deck. No, no matter what team wins it. Like even if Michigan state wins, I still want to just have a moment to embrace that trophy and tell it all it means to me. But when, I, I mean, I think that when we look at this game, Based on what we've seen this year, Penn State fans are probably going to be really excited to see a good Penn State offense go up against Michigan State's defense, which even though it's taken a step back this year, it still has the reputation like Chris mentioned. Nick, when you look at this matchup, what is the thing that you're most interested in watching the Nittany Lions go up against Michigan State? 
I think it's Penn State's passing game against Michigan State's passing defense, um, which is weird because for so many years, obviously, that was one of Michigan State's strengths. Um, but I, I forget who I heard it from, but talking about coordinators, and obviously Pat Narduzzi, this is his uh, second year away from the Michigan State program, and they were, they were talking about how losing a coordinator, that's one thing, but it takes a couple of years for their schemes to really lose. Obviously, as time goes on, there's only so much you can do without the actual guy there, but they usually last for a year or two. It definitely seems like Michigan State is starting to lose what Narduzzi did with them. Um, they definitely seem like they're starting to feel those effects. Um, interestingly, Pitt has not started feeling the positive effects yet, but I'm interested to see that because... According, at least, I have admittedly have not watched a ton of Michigan State football this year. I watched the game against Michigan. You didn't watch the Illinois game that was on ESPN News? <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we, we made a we lot of jokes about that. So long. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, and then I watched um, a good amount of the Michigan State Ohio State game. So I, a lot of what I'm looking at here is going off the S&P numbers, and it, they've just seems like they've had a miserable time defending the pass. It seems like the one thing they've done pretty well is um, in ice passing ISO PPP, so kind of limiting uh, huge explosive plays, which conversely is something that Penn State has been excellent at, one of the best in the country. They're ranked number four. Um, so I'm curious to see, especially considering the fact that it's not going to be super warm, it looks like it, there's a chance it could rain. Not really sure yet, but it's the end. End of November in State College, so I won't count it out. So I'm curious to see how exactly Joe Moorhead and Trace McSorley go about attacking the Michigan State uh, defense. Because while obviously you want to feed Saquon Barkley as much as possible, that becomes a little more difficult with uh, Brendan Mann still sidelined and Ryan Bates kicking out to tackle and Gonzalez at guard instead. Although Gonzalez did play well against Rutgers, but against Rutgers, a great assault. Connor McGovern coming back may help with that, but they haven't been the most efficient run-blocking unit since the injury started piling up. So I think they're going to have to do the majority of their work through the air, at least early on. Maybe if they get a lead, they can start coasting with the run game a little more. But I'm interested, I'm interested to see how they go about attacking the Sparty secondary. Yeah, Chris, for you, the question that... I mean, I really want to answer, and I think a lot of Penn State fans want to answer, is we expected this Michigan State defense all year to really be built around Malik McDowell, the incredibly talented defensive lineman uh, for the Spartans. He's been out the last couple of weeks. It doesn't look like he's going to participate uh, against Penn State. What, like, what's the reason for him being out, and how do you see his absence impacting this offense versus defense matchup? Well, it's interesting. He's gone down with some sort of injury just about every game, leg, arm, head, a lot of things. But what was interesting is that um, they were without him last week, and they recorded three sacks in the game. And they only had seven sacks on the year coming in. They they were the second-worst team in the country in sacks. And they got pretty good pressure without him. So I, I, I don't think playing without him is any sort of benefit. I don't think it's a Ewing effect. I think they just played better. But, um, you know, he mentioned the, the, the past defense, and that's been the weakness. That's been a weakness of this team for three years that 
teams continue to not exploit, and I don't quite understand why, because the defensive backs are just not good. The, the safeties are very bad in coverage. And even Notre Dame, so it was 2013, the now vacated game, where Notre Dame threw, just threw deep a billion times, either got completions or got pass interference calls. And I thought they'd do that this year, and they didn't do it until the fourth quarter, and they started lighting MSU's defense up, and then they ran out of time, and MSU won. I, it's, it's been so strange to me that teams continue to try to run so much on MSU when they're very much their big, their bigger weakness is the pass defense. Will Penn State try to do that? I don't know. I've been confused at, to, at why teams even run the ball very much at all against MSU when they're so they struggle so much to defend the pass, but. It is what it is. Um, they haven't really changed their defensive style a ton since Narduzzi left, and that's been a detriment because people know how to attack this defense now, and they don't have the NFL cornerbacks to make up for it. That the whole point of that defense is you force the, you have good cornerbacks and you force the opposing quarterback to make throws that not many guys can make. Well, when you can't cover, the whole thing falls apart. That's what you're seeing at Pitt right now with Narduzzi. They don't have the players and they're getting lit up in the passing game because of it. And um, so no Malik McDowell is not a good thing, but um, the, the defensive line has gotten better in recent weeks as they, they play. I think there's like three freshmen starting on the line. So they, as they've gotten more experience, they've gotten better. And I, I mean, you guys are no better than me, but every time I look at the numbers with this Penn state team, it's, it's so weird they're like such a weird team to me because they're not like great in any statistic other than making big plays. Like they're not good at, they're like pretty good at rushing. They're, they're terrible at third down. They're uh, painfully inefficient, yes. but they're really right. explosive. And right. they start, they start with really good field position. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's, and that's the dynamic that's interesting to me is, is, um, is there? Is there? Will they be able to stop Saquon Barkley? Because they couldn't last year. Really, he he did a hell of a game last year. And Malik McDowell said a year ago, after after the Alabama loss, that he thought Saquon Barkley was better than Derrick Henry. So uh, um, we got lot. We got lots of run from that quote. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, yeah. I mean, MSU hasn't been great at stopping the run this year, which has been surprising. But they're worth it. At, defending the pass. Interesting. Uh, Nick, one last thing before we talk about the other side of the ball. Um, so we've talked to some Penn State fans who, more than anything, want to see James Franklin run the score up on Michigan State and late in the game do something that replicates when Mark D'Antonio put Jack Allen last year and let him run for a touchdown. What do you want? Should we get to that situation, which you know I don't want to get too far ahead, should we get to that situation, what do you want to see James Franklin do? I, I, I think I know the answer, but I just want you, to, I want you to say it out loud. I'm sure you know my answer. I will say that I, I don't think that if, should this game ever get to that point, I'm not sure James Franklin would actually, would actually do it. I'm not, I don't know. Because obviously with Jack Allen, it was, what was he did? Like, was that his fifth year there? I think he was a redshirt senior. Like, had been playing for a long time, so... Obviously, we want to get a guy like that as due. Obviously, we all want to see Joey Julius take a handoff and rumble into the end zone. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the only logical answer here. 
Yeah. I, I uh, however, however, ahead. getting Brian Guy a carry would be pretty cool because that dude that would deserves be cool. some love. Yeah, that dude. The the way that his career has gone and how he's moved around so much, seeing like a, a reverse Allen with an offensive lineman touchdown, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, let's move to the other side of the ball. Uh, Penn State's defense has gotten better, it seems, each and every week this year, culminating in last week versus Rutgers when um, I'm looking right now and Bill C says Penn State's defensive percentile was 84%, which um, my guess is that has more to say uh, about how low the bar is for Rutgers than anything else. Uh, But, Chris, I want to start with you. Michigan State's offense this year has not been all that great. Their S&P Plus is 72nd, their points per game 89th. Uh, Nick, like he said, isn't a huge fan of Tyler O'Connor, but it seems to me like when Michigan State is able to do some stuff on offense, it's because LJ Scott is able to be just a really physical back in the running game who is able to make some big plays happen every now and then. Yeah, I mean, if you take away, he had, I think, two big runs and a big uh, catch uh, against Ohio State, if you take out those, MSU's offense didn't do much of of anything, and um, he, he's he's turned out to be very Le'Veon Bell-like in that he's very uh, shifty and can and can he, he's patient and can find a hole and get his way through it. He's not a guy who gets the ball and just rams into the line. He he generally waits for his blocks very well and is very very quick feet and even in a small hole can make people miss. Um, outside of that, yeah, I mean Tyler O'Connor has been benched several times this year and D'Antonio has already said he plans to get Damian Terry in the game um, as some more reps for next year so I don't know what that split's going to be but yeah O'Connor's been a weird situation uh, he was actually top 31 nationally in in uh, yards per attempt and QB rating entering last week and both numbers were actually higher than Connor Cook the problem was Connor Cook had nine touchdowns and one interception on third down, while O'Connor had three touchdowns, five picks, and Connor Cook just made clutch third down after clutch third down. So uh, O'Connor does not have a strong arm at all. The ball oftentimes will just come out knuckly. He doesn't read. He doesn't read very well. Um, he he's able to run, but doesn't you know escape as much pressure as you would expect, and. Um, but when Brian Lewerke, the redshirt freshman, got injured, broke his leg against Ohio State, uh, against Michigan, that was about it. It, it was they were they're going to try to get O'Connor what he can throughout the rest of the year. But there's not much building toward next year with this situation either, which is I think frustrating for them. Yeah, I was going to say it. Uh, it I mean, D'Antonio has said that he plans on using two quarterbacks. The other one is Damian Terry, correct? And what does he bring to the table? He's the run first guy has never really shown a great ability in the past. He's got a strong arm, but it's very not accurate at all. They for three years they often just bring him in and run wildcat or just straight QB runs. So um, I I uh, I don't know what type of split they'll do, um, but he he's a, he's a run first guy. He, he's he's not an arm you need to be worried about. Interesting, uh, Nick. Let me go to you again. Michigan State's offense hasn't been all that great this year. As you're looking over the numbers and you're looking back on the few things that 
and the few times we've gotten the chance to check Michigan State out this year. Is there anywhere that you think they match up rather well against Penn State, or do you think that Penn State's defense should be in for, I don't want to say an easy afternoon, but an afternoon that is closer to uh, you know, the 14 points they allowed against Iowa than the 42 they allowed against Pitt? There's nothing really that I see. And I mean, I, it's, I know the S&P numbers aren't great for Michigan State's rushing attack, but from what we've seen, that's when their running game is going, that's pretty clearly when they're at their best. And stopping the run has been something that Penn State's been incredibly good at this year. The The one ugly number for them is that they give up some big plays in the rush, in the Russian game. But overall, they're really, really successful when it comes to stopping the run. And I think that just doesn't bode super well for Michigan State. And that's not to say that LJ Scott's not capable of doing some things against this defense because we've seen, I mean, it was much earlier in the year, but James Conner had a nice game against Penn State. Um, we just saw LJ Scott have a great game against, uh, well, I know Chris said aside from that one run, it wasn't really a lot, but played well against uh, Ohio State. If I remember correctly, he played pretty well against Michigan earlier in the year too. So obviously he's the key to their offense and Penn State just is over the past few weeks, especially just has turned things up a notch when it comes to stopping the run. I mean, it's been pretty incredible. Yeah. Like this, like we talked, a, like we talked a lot about how the defense is going to fall off from last year. This year's team has been better at stopping the run than yeah. last year's team. Yeah. I mean, last year's team was, was a lot better stopping the pass, but that was mostly because quarterbacks had like, half a second to throw the ball before they had Nassib, Johnson, and Zettel on them. So it's a little bit different, but <clears throat> even overall, right now, Penn State's defense is actually a better S&P Plus ranked defense than the 2015 defense was. Wow. Which yeah. is kind of incredible. So yeah, I don't think it's a great matchup for Michigan State. Yeah, interesting. Uh, let's get into kind of the one thing that you're watching for for this game. Uh, I'll go first, and this is something that I talked about on the last episode of the pod. And that is, how does Penn State respond to when the final score of Ohio State-Michigan comes out? If Michigan ends up winning, does that mean that Penn State kind of, you know, gets down a little bit? I don't think that happens. I think we've seen this is a really proud team, a team that has really rallied together and kind of won't let it suffer from any kind of emotional letdown that would come from Michigan winning. But I also want to see what would potentially happen if, you know, over the loudspeaker we hear final score out of Columbus, Ohio State, 35, Michigan, 17, and Penn State knows it has to win in order to make it to the Big Ten championship game. Is it, does this team suddenly, you know, get a big time firewood under their asses and just go off? Or do they start playing a little bit too, uh, you know, a little nervous, a little, oh my God, oh my God, I can't make this mistake. I can't do this. I can't do this. And that ends up getting into their heads and costing them. And then how do the guys, the Brian Gaias, the Derek Dowries, the Saquon Barkley's, the Trace McSorley's, the Brandon Bells, how do they react trying to, you know, either calm their teammates up or fire them up? I think that's just such an interesting thing to pay attention to. Both that and how many times do I weep at the sight of the land grant trophy? Uh, Chris, for you, looking at this game, what is really the one thing that you're watching for, whether it comes into you know, something psychologically, something in the course of the game, whatever it would be? You know, you mentioned, well, you mentioned how um, 
you're curious how Penn State would react to the score. I'm also curious to see how MSU would react. I mean, this is a team that has fought hard at times, and it's a team that has kind of wilted at times. And I'm, I'm curious. I could see this coming down to the very end. I could also see it turning into a Penn State blow, and I could see it maybe being a one-score game at halftime, but then maybe MSU falls behind by 10, and then it quickly unravels and becomes and, and and once MSU knows there's nothing to play for, they they kind of just wilt. So I'm I'm also curious to see how MSU will react to certain situations in the game if they fall behind early, if they get up early, and, and that kind of thing. But um, I mean, if there's one thing I'm watching, it's I mean, it's going to be if uh, if they can get LJ Scott going in the running game because that's about I mean that's what kind of everything goes along and and uh you know he broke off several bigger runs against ohio state uh only had 19 carries they had they haven't ridden uh, ridden him into the ground like they did levy on like they used to do with levy on bell so he's still pretty fresh for this point in the year i think um but yeah for me if i think for me it comes down to who can run the ball and if the other team can stop the run, as, as big ten as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, in in past years, the land grant trophy yeah. should be decided no other way. Yeah, if this game ends anything other than seven to three, I feel like um, you know Dave Land and Steve Grant, the founders of Penn State and Michigan State, <laughs> would be rather upset. Uh, but yeah, Nick, to you, what's really the thing that you're going to be looking out for in this one? Um, I know you guys just both talked about the same thing, but I mean, it's hard to pick anything other than how they react to that score coming out because that's going to be a huge influence on this game early on. I guess just to be for the sake of being different, I'll say that <clears throat> I also kind of expect a really close game um, in the first half. I am expecting something like a 13-10, 10-10, 10-7 type scoreline after the first half, but Penn State in the fourth quarter has been the best team in the country. They have been the best fourth quarter team in the country this year. Actually, so, I, I'll, I'll jump on that real quick. Uh, up until a couple weeks ago, MSU was the absolute worst team in the fourth quarter, too. Oh, God. Oh, no. So when I talk about the game possibly getting out of hand late, that's part of it, too. Up until, I think the Michigan game might have been, like, the first time in a long time they had actually outscored the opponent in the fourth quarter. Wow. 31st in offense in the fourth quarter now, so they must have had quite a turnaround. Well, Rut- Rutgers does that, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, wa- watching Penn State's backups versus Rutgers starters was um, something else, definitely. Yeah, um, but yeah, so I'm curious to see if uh, Penn State's, frankly, their dominance in the second half that has been going on for a good part of this season. I'm, I'm curious to see if they continue that. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a fun one. Um, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Penn State comes out a bit sloppy. Um, just knowing the stakes of this game, no matter what happens with Michigan and Ohio State, I know someone asked James Franklin if he would be interested in airing the Penn uh, Michigan Ohio State game on the big screen in Beaver Stadium, and he said something like, "That's a work in progress." Uh, I don't remember his exact quote, but it was something to that extent, and. It was more or less a very nice way for him to say, hey, no, we're not doing this. Uh, what did he say? He said there would be a discussion about it, which I'm pretty sure is coach speak for no. 
but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out a little bit flat, but like we said, kind of turn it on in the second half when they remember that, hey, listen, no matter what happens, we are still playing for each other. And even if we don't get a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship game, if we end this season at 10-2, and two, we're still going to end up a top 10 team. We're still going to end up going to the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or something like that. So let's go out. Let's try and just stop these guys in the second half. I don't think it's a scoreline that indicates a blowout. I think something like 31-20 sounds like it makes some sense, something in that area. Uh, Nick, what do you think? So for the last two weeks, I've predicted uh, Penn State scoring 39 points, and it actually happened last week. And frankly, that feels about right again for this week. I'm, I think Penn State wins this one like 39-13. Wow. Uh, I think it's 13-10, 13-13, something like that at halftime. But they, Penn State has been so good in the second half this season that it's to the point where I really don't have any grounds to doubt what they can do in those last 30 minutes. So, yeah, I'm feeling good about that. Awesome. Uh, Chris, what do you think? What Do you think, do you think James Franklin is going to like mandate that they don't show the well, score. Well the, qu- well, the question to him was, are you going to show the game on the Jumbotrons? And he he seemed like he wasn't too high on that. But they have like a little banner uh, that scrolls, and it'll show the scores during like timeouts and things like that. And they'll have, you know, the play-by... I mean, the, yeah, the play-by-play guy in the, in the stadium go, final score from this game, you know. This team, this many points. This team, that many points. And I... I Doubt that he does the uh, he does the hey we're just going to have to stomp out any mention of this game but yeah I like yeah because I, I mean because I just I know his response every time he gets asked about the playoff and he just ends up saying you know Iowa 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 yeah so I was just curious if he would go to the ex- go to the length of yeah. of doing something like that yeah he really does but, love uh, Iowa so but my my pick was I just actually did it on our on our MSU podcast, I went with 24, 21 Penn state. But like I said, I, I could see it. I could also see it completely coming undone in, in a, in a, in a late third quarter and turning into a blowout. So my pick is a close game, but I'm wouldn't be surprised if it's a blow up. So it's a cop out, I guess. Yeah. So is this one of those games where you're expecting either a Penn state blowout or some team to win close? And the one thing that you're just, I don't want to say writing off, but you would be shocked if it happened would be a Michigan State blowout. Oh, yeah. That, that's not going to happen. No. Yeah. Optimism. Yeah. So should be a fun one this weekend. Uh, but like we said, the big thing is that Penn State is ranked. Well, the big thing other than the land grant trophy, which is both the big thing in a spiritual sense and a literal sense because that thing's the size of a house. Is it's, that, the only, actually, it's the only rivalry trophy MSU has now. They, they, this oh, year really? they lost. They lost. The, no, I'm sorry. They do have the megaphone trophy from Notre Dame. They got that back, but they lost the Paul Bunyan trophy to Michigan. They lost the old brass spittoon to Indiana. So it's either going to be just the megaphone or they got to keep, got to keep LG around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about the college football playoff. I mean, we were uh, like we said, we're filming this about two hours after uh, the 
initial filming are are we on camera filming recording words uh we're recording this about two or so we started about two or so hours after the latest playoff rankings came out uh alabama ohio state michigan clemson i don't think anyone's too shocked by that washington wisconsin five and six i don't think anyone's too surprised by that and then of course it starts getting a little bit silly uh with Penn State at seven, and I believe they said something like the gap between seven and ten isn't very cl- isn't uh, especially big, and it could be in any order. Uh, but I, w- I was surprised okay. to see MSU in the top twenty. That surprised me. Which team? MSU. I was surprised they were there in the top twenty uh, at three and eight. Oh, nah, it's a yeah, joke. It was no, bad. no, no. I mean, you can make a case that they are the best three and eight team in the country. I mean. It's, they're, they're like, uh, they're we, like we give we give we give an update on our podcast every week at where MSU is in the rankings after the show. Itself. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like how people always get on Bill C because Ole Miss always happens to be, uh, <laughs> Ole Miss always happens to be the best bad team in the country, and then everyone gets really mad, and Bill has to say, guys, you know that I have like these are just numbers. I am not putting them here, and it's always fun. Uh, but yeah, outside of the fact that. Um, I thought there was going to be a literal like cage fight between Joey Galloway and everyone else regarding one Penn State and two uh, where USC deserves to be in the uh, in the top twenty five. Nick, was there anything this week that really stood out for you? And going forward as a Penn State, or is there anything that kind of has you concerned that even if Penn State is able to win out, it may be on the outside looking in come uh, come playoff time. Well, I don't actually, there wasn't really anything discouraging for me. I think the fact that Oklahoma was still ranked behind, it was actually really encouraging for Penn State's chances. Um, I was never in the camp that, I, I mean, I think if it comes down to a decision between Ohio State and Penn State, I think Ohio State's in no question. I don't think that's much of an argument. Um, that's actually kind of, I mean, I'm writing an article right now, hopefully for tomorrow, about how, uh, kind of posing the question, will Penn State be, like the first step towards an 18 playoff, like the whole um, just controversy with them, whether they should be in over Ohio State or not. But uh, I, I think the fact that I think Oklahoma is the great was the greatest th- threat to them because well the greatest no the greatest unknown threat because we know that for Penn State to get in they probably need Washington to lose. Yes. If that happens and if Penn State goes and beats wins the Big Ten championship beats Wisconsin, I don't think there's any question that they're in. And the fact that Oklahoma is still behind them right now, even after beating a ranked West Virginia, yeah, I think that bodes well for Penn State's chances. Yeah, and that was something that we talked about a lot, uh, both on the pod and then in, you know, just via text and Slack and Twitter and all that. Was this is a really good Oklahoma team, and it seems like the committee wants to get them in. Uh, so the fact that they weren't able to jump Penn State after beating West Virginia in Morgantown, and not just beating, but really just running all over them. The fact that they have this week off, they have one game left, Penn State potentially has two games left, and one of those games would be against the team ranked sixth, and Oklahoma would have to take on the team ranked tenth. It's hard to see them jumping. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about what would happen if uh, Colorado is able to beat a Utah team that is ranked 22nd and then go into the Pac-12 title game and take down Washington. Uh, I'm actually really cheering for Washington State this weekend because beating Washington helps out Colorado a lot, beating Washington State not as much. But 
I, I think for the first time in a few weeks, I feel pretty good about Penn State's chances of making the playoff if Washington is able to lose. And who knows, maybe something really ha- weird happens this weekend and South Carolina is able to take down Clemson and I don't even know. But outside of really Colorado and I guess still a little Oklahoma, but nowhere near as much as I was terrified of them a few weeks ago, I, I see a clear path for Penn State. Uh, we'll probably write about it on the site, all that. Uh, Chris, for you, looking at these uh, rankings, what what is the thing that really surprises you the most, other than Michigan State getting in to the top twenty, of course? Uh, you know, I um, I guess I guess being here in Michigan, I look at where Western Michigan is relative to everybody in terms of that group of five because they're still behind Boise State, yeah. but Boise State doesn't have a championship game to play, so Western will get that extra opportunity. And although, but Navy also got in there at 25 and, and they, they have the AC, AAC championship game to play. So they've got some opportunity to move up too. And I, I'm starting to think it's looking dire for, for Western Michigan and, yeah. and row the boat to get where, where they are. And, and, um, you know, I understand the arguments and stuff, but Man, for for a group of five team to go undefeated and not make a New Year's Six would almost would almost feel like it defeats the purpose. I mean, I, I know not every group of five conference and team is equal, but um, but man, I mean, Western's done everything they've they've had to do, and, and, yeah. and I I, th- I think uh, I think in a situation like this, the fact that they haven't lost is 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 worth the. Uh, it's worth something, and you as you guys talk about um, Penn State relative to everything else. Uh, I, I think Ohio State wins, and they're in. I, I think I still think yeah. Penn State, even if Penn State wins, beats Wisconsin. I mean, Washington with with a possible win over Washington State and Colorado could be enough to, oh, to keep them up. I, I think Penn State needs a break, and you know, head to head, Penn State beat Ohio State. I get that, but. Kind of like the argument we've made with USC in that, you know, you have to take the whole season into account. Penn State did lose to, to Pitt, and they did get absolutely shellacked by Michigan. So, yeah, <laughs> Got that, got that I, field I, goal, though. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that uh, – I think it would suck for Penn State. I would understand being upset. I, I think – I mean, MSU back in 2010 were in a three-way tie with the uh, – for the Big Ten back before they had a championship game. And Wisconsin went over MSU. It was a three-way tie between Wisconsin, MSU, and Ohio State. And MSU had, MSU beat Wisconsin and didn't play Ohio State. And Wisconsin lost to MSU and beat Ohio State. And they were higher in the in the rankings, and that's why they got to go to the Rose Bowl. And a lot of MSU fans were really pissed about that. Um, so it, it, it's a, it, there was also... The following year, MSU goes and plays in the Big Ten championship game, and they lose to Wisconsin again. And Michigan, whom MSU beat, jumps MSU and goes to the Sugar Bowl. And this is before MSU had MSU had never been to a BCS game, and they basically got penalized for being in their conference championship game. So MSU fans are, are familiar with how some of these uh, situations play out and, and when head-to-head doesn't always end up being the determining factor. But uh, that that also was my thought on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, with Western Michigan, 
I know they're not the best teams, but getting two wins over Big Ten teams on the road. Uh, Northwestern, of course, had some issues at the start of the year, and Illinois has issues with just about everything. Plus, going to Central Michigan and whooping up on a team that has a win, no matter how controversial over Oklahoma State, you would think that they would take that pretty heavily into account and maybe push them up a bit, but... It's unfortunate. I mean, this Western Michigan team deserves the opportunity to play in the Cotton Bowl or whatever New Year's Six Bowl they would go to. And I really hope that ends up happening. But, I I mean, the fact that they put Houston above them, that kind of says a lot in my opinion. But whatever. It happens. And, yeah. Yeah, that that was the other one too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I am going to send you saying uh, it's kind of like with USC where the whole season matters to Danny Cannell and Kirk Herbstreet. And if if they find out where you live, I'm not going to take any responsibility for that because those guys are adamant that if you start the season one and three, that shouldn't matter if you make a quarterback change. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I'm always about – I'm all, you know, we have this debate with the playoffs. Is it best team versus most deserving? And I am 100% every time all, all about most deserving. That's why we play the games. And, you know, I, eye test is important. And, you know, we have advanced stats to tell us teams are better and blah, blah, blah. But, but at the end of the day, we make these decisions based on the results. And you have to go solely on the resume. Otherwise, what are we even playing the games for? Yeah. I mean, if we get to the point where we expand the playoff a bit, and we can maybe have the luxury of, we know an eight seed, we know that a team like, hell, I don't, like, no matter how much I love Penn State, I don't think they could beat Alabama. Wisconsin, I don't think they could beat Alabama. If a team like Oklahoma State were to get up to the eight, I don't think they can beat Alabama. So if you want to make the case for USC over one of those teams for the right to get the hell beaten out of them by Alabama, like, I guess that makes sense. Uh, but... The argument they seem to be making was that USC is playing really well, so they have a case to be above Wisconsin and Penn State and right there with Washington now, which is just ludicrous. But that's for another time. Really quickly before we go, let's talk about this week's Big Ten slate. Uh, Nebraska and Iowa. Nebraska needs to win, and they need uh, Wisconsin to lose at home against Minnesota. I think A happens. I think Nebraska probably beats Iowa. But, Nick, I cannot see Wisconsin losing to Minnesota and Nebraska getting a path to the Big Ten championship game. And as a Penn State fan, that you know, Penn, I would much rather say, see Penn State take on Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin than I would Nebraska just for resume-boosting purposes if the Nittany Lions were to win. Yeah, I mean, if Penn State's looking for an easy big, an easier Big Ten championship game, obviously you'd want Nebraska, but uh, I think you want Wisconsin because you want to, like you said, boost that resume. I do think I think Iowa beats Nebraska. Oh wow! This okay. weekend, yeah, I think they finish strong. I think think they finish on eight and four. I don't think Nebraska is all that good. Um, I mean, is do we is Tommy playing this week? Do we know? Chris, any idea? Uh, uh, say that again. I, I I missed the name. Is Tommy is Tommy playing, playing this week? week? I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll operate the, under the assumption that Riker Fife is starting. So yeah, the the fact that we don't even know, I mean, is really enough for me. I think I think I was able to finish the season on a strong note here and take that game. Yeah. Um. Oh, uh, Tommy Armstrong practiced this week in Riker. Riker Fife, which is a very hard name to say, he did not. So please come back, Tommy. We uh, all we all want to see you get a chance to play. Uh, 
Yeah, like uh, Nick, we're about to talk about Purdue. So if you want to get the noise up, that this now would be a yep, good time. Yep, yep, okay, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, Chris, do you do you see any silliness happening in either of these games? Uh not really. Yeah, it, it's a mix of like I don't see it, and like you know, it, it just doesn't make sense to sit here and go, yeah, I think uh, Minnesota is able to do it, even though Minnesota is a good team. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, uh, so next up. Uh, Indiana, which boasts our friends over at Crimson Quarry, hosts Purdue. Perduzzi. Perduzzi lives. Perduzzi and Notre Doozy are our two favorite hashtags, especially <laughs> now. I mean, Brian Kelly doesn't. Uh, Brian Kelly would probably be shocked to see Brian Kelly get fired, but that's because Brian Kelly can't imagine that a bad thing would ever happen to Brian Kelly. So. Uh, yeah, uh, Purdue, Indiana, uh, I, I think Indiana wins this game. I don't think Purdue is any good. And yeah, like I, yeah, like I, I, I can't bring myself to come to a point where I have a strong opinion on this. Although I am going to be, see, be happy to see Indiana get bowl eligible. Chris, do you care about anything? I mean, I, it'd be, it'd be cool to see Indiana get bowl eligible again, uh, for two years in a row would be something that, although this has been a weird Indiana team, it's not like all the other ones that can score a lot, but not stop anybody. They've had a good defense, but also sometimes it's not good. And their quarterback situation is weird, but they have really good running backs and it's been fascinating to see how they've made it work. Man. Is there anything more fun than a weird Indiana team? Well, it's I mean, weird in a not fun way, right? Those other Indiana teams are weird in a fun way. Like you could watch them, put up 21 points on Ohio State before you knew it. This is more like you just can kind of confuse that to how it's happening. Uh, Nick, do you have a take on this game of any kind? I will be rooting hard for Purdue, not because I don't love our friends at Crimson Quarry, but I'm all about teams that are well beyond getting to a bowl game, fighting like hell to keep other teams out of bowl games. <laughs> so I, I'm looking for David Blau to have a big game for Purdue. He is officially my favorite quarterback, not named. Uh, yeah, officially my favorite quarterback, not named Trace McSorley. So I don't think they'll win, but yeah. maybe they'll make it fun. Yeah, we'll lump Illinois Northwestern and Rutgers Maryland together. Um, both of these games have the potential to be hilarious because we could watch as one not great team in Northwestern and Maryland just beats potentially beats the hell out of a really bad team in Illinois and Rutgers. Um, I, I'm just excited to see if either of those teams are capable of running up the score. Uh, and I'm also very interested, as always, to watch the looks on the faces of Chris Ash, who constantly looks like he's, you know, <laughs> on the verge of tears from chopping up an onion, and uh, Lovey Smith, who can't believe that he coached in a Super Bowl once and is now at Illinois. Uh, yeah, Nick. Chris, either of you, anything? Uh, Northwestern's been kind of weird this year. I thought they had turned it around, and now they've lost something like three or four, and they kind of looked ugly at Minnesota last week. I mean, this will go down. This is in the history books, and it is not even, it's not even impressive now. Northwestern scored the most points ever by an opponent at Spartan Stadium this year. <laughs> it, it, it was, um, what was that final score? It was, let me pull it up here. It was... 54 to 40 Northwestern won. No team had ever scored that many points on the road at Spartan Stadium. And now five and five or five and six Northwest. What is the record? Five and five and five. Six. 
five and six Northwestern holds that record. So it's kind of like how the biggest comeback of all time is from a four and eight MSU team led by John L. Smith that did that <laughs> came back down thirty five points in the second half at Northwestern in two thousand six. Yeah, uh, yeah. Was John L. Smith the one who had that like hilarious, like? Oh yeah, that yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever it was, yeah, he. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say like he caused someone to have a hilarious meltdown, and yeah, that that was him. Uh, and yeah, uh, there's no better place to end than with the game, uh, Michigan. Which no, we already talked about the Lang Grant Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well, okay, so we'll go with. I, I, I want the Lang Grant Trophy to become like, like, honestly, like a huge deal ironically like yeah like the, the, the teams really do want to win this trophy because it's so bad i think they should get the winning team should get to add something to it every year oh that would be a good idea like like it are it already looks like it's it, all right so in parks and rec when they have like the contest to make that the new mural for city hall <laughs> and they just combine all their terrible ideas into one it, that's what it looks like happened when they made that trophy we should pitch that and like give them a bunch of roar lions roar stickers and see what they end up doing with that that would be such a good idea put them on the trophy yeah but yeah like it's it is kind of surprising to me that like you know SB nation and other sites like that haven't latched onto the land grant trophy as just being this silly and ridiculous, um, massive thing that is just completely absurd. And it gets to the point where it gets like a three minute Gene Wojciechowski segment on an episode of College Game Day once. Like, but You're right. uh, it, for the in the second most important game of the weekend, then yes. uh, Michigan. Yeah, had- that, that that's the that's the JV <laughs> game, and it's the varsity game that's coming up. Factor, I, I mean, they always like the the, the, yeah. the appetizer for your for your meal. I was gonna say you always play the JV game before the varsity game, so yeah. let's just, just put saying. it that yeah, let's just put it's it that fun. way. Uh, and of course, we're talking about um, Jim Harbaugh in what we all hope is his second to last game uh, at Michigan before he takes the Indianapolis Colts job, leading Michigan into Ohio Stadium to take on a Buckeyes team that uh, over the last couple of weeks. Has I it seems like they've woken up, uh, save for you know an always tough game against a Michigan State team and a coach in Mark D'Antonio who just knows how to scheme against Urban Meyer. Uh, Nick, this game is kind of huge for us. Ohio, as we have said a billion times everywhere, Ohio State wins, Penn State moves on and has a chance to play for the Big Ten championship. Should Penn State uh, win the Land Grant Trophy, which I mean, I guess that makes the Big Ten Championship thing the second most important thing they could win in that game. Michigan wins. They move on. They probably end up beating. Well, I don't want to say probably end up beating Wisconsin, but they very likely beat Wisconsin, move on to the playoff, and uh, the year of Harbaugh uh, has another chapter in it. What do you think happens in this game? I, at the beginning of the season, I said Ohio State was going to win this game. Around midseason, I faltered a little bit, but... I still think Ohio State wins this game. I think they're playing better football than Michigan is right now. I agree with what you said last week, that in order to beat Michigan, you basically just have to be able to score 24 points and not be a revolving turnstile on defense, which Ohio State clearly is not. Um, I think they're, <clears throat> they're, they're, I mean, their defense is incredibly opportunistic. Malik Hooker back there is just a 
interception magnet. That doesn't bode terribly well for what seem it'll what apparently will either be John O'Corn or a probably still at least somewhat injured Wilton Spate. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say a probably still injured Shane Morris, and I was going to or, or or a probably still concussed Shane Morris. Yep. Um, Shane, whatever yeah, you do I, in life, I hope it involves you sticking it to Brady Hoke. Yes, one day, one, one day, day you will get there. Uh, but yeah, I think Ohio State wins this game. I think they're a better team that's playing better football right now. Um, I, yeah, I plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, by the looks of it, um, Spate and O'Corn both took practice reps this week. Of course, that could end up meaning nothing. It's Jim Harbaugh. Who knows what the hell he's going to do? Uh, but Chris, what do you what do you think happens in this one? You know, it's. I think this is going to be a ugly, not interest. I mean, not exciting game. I mean, these Ohio State at times looks really good on offense, but then last week they looked terrible. And like Michigan's D is really good. I'm not quite sure how JT Barrett's going to pass the ball on MSU uh, on Michigan. And on the other side. Is Wilton Spate ready or not? If it's John O'Corn, it could be ugly on the other side too. Uh, I I don't. I think this is going to be a really just kind of blah, kind of not, not 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 exciting, but just kind of an ugly football game. Um, I I've picked Ohio State to win all year. I, I guess I still will, especially if especially if Wilton Spate is out. Uh, um. But, um, yeah, I, it, I mean, it's number two versus number three, but this doesn't, I don't, this doesn't feel like the one versus two game from a decade ago. And that game turned out to be high scoring, but yeah, that, that team was, was classic. Also, that team ended, I mean, that game was loaded with NFL players all over the offenses. I don't think this, this matchup quite is yet. And, um, so, you know, actually, since this is – I picked Ohio State to win all year, so I'll pick Ohio State to win again in kind of a low-scoring game. Yeah. But I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. So, um, as Penn State, because um, – so we've seen the headlines this week about Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh can be the, the second 10-year war, um, which is – makes MSU fans chuckle and – it's not that we don't think both are great coaches that we do. It's just very, very easy to pull up the headlines from 2012 when everybody said Urban Meyer versus Brady Oak is the new 10-year war. And because of how, how much better they were, they were recruiting laps around everybody else in the league, and it was going to be Michigan and Ohio State atop the Big Ten for the next 10 years. And obviously that hasn't happened. And MSU won several Big Ten titles since then, and Penn State could win one this year. Uh, MSU fans always take offense to that or, or th- this idea that it's always about Michigan and Ohio State while MSU has kind of been leading the conference for the last five years. As Penn, as Penn State fans, do you guys get caught up in that, the Michigan-Ohio State hype? Is it something you – is it something where you go, hey, don't forget about us over here? Or is it because you guys have only been in the league for not even 30 years that it's not as big of a deal to you? Yeah, uh, that's tough. I mean – I think a lot of Penn State, well, I don't think, I know a lot of Penn State fans really don't like Ohio State or or Michigan. Um, My general thought is that in my time and Nick's time as Penn State fans, 
uh, which has been 2010 when we were freshmen until now, Penn State's never really been in a position where it can say that it's there with Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, I mean, Michigan had some down years. Ohio State had, you know, that Luke Fickle year. Uh, Michigan State's been great, too. I think for me, I've always viewed those three as the three big teams in the big, not not in the Big Ten East, in the Big Ten in general. And I've thought that as Penn State has tried to work back from sanctions, the ultimate goal has been to get into that discussion. And I think James Franklin is getting there. Uh, it's not something that really bugs me all that much because I, I, I understand it's a process. I understand that um, Penn State needs to do some things needs to fix some things on its own post-Sandusky scandal uh, to get back to that position. And I think we're starting to see that now, and I think we're starting to get to the point where Penn State fans can have the expectation that the team is compete, going to be able to compete on the field with Ohio State and Michigan and in recruiting against those two, especially uh, in places like New Jersey, places like Western Pennsylvania, uh, places like the Maryland area, stuff like that. So I think think that, you know, I, I don't really get bothered by all that. I think I'm part of that's because I think, I don't think Jim Harbaugh's long for Michigan. Uh, but I think that we are, we're, we're seeing Penn State start for really the first time in a few years, make the case that it deserves to be in, in, in the discussion with Ohio State and Michigan. But yeah, I'm interested to hear what Nick thinks too. Yeah, I mean, like maybe next year, if they're like maybe leading up to next season, if they're talking about like contenders, they go to the Big Ten and they say, "Oh, Ohio State, Michigan." Maybe then, if they don't mention Penn State, I'll be a little perturbed. But I mean, overall, <coughs> excuse me, overall, I can't say that I've ever. I mean, like you said, in the seven years I've been a Penn State fan, I can't really say that I've ever gotten jealous. I guess is kind of the question here of the Michigan Ohio State uh, hype, or really thought too much of the rivalry. I mean, because it's a great rivalry and they're historically the two top teams in the conference. I don't really have a problem with them being the two most talked about teams. I agree that Michigan State's been um, disrespected the past however many years. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really say it it bothers me too much. The one thing I will say is that there definitely seems to be a fair number of fans um who think that Penn State should be in that position, um, who think that, you know, Penn State, under Paterno, they were per- a perennial powerhouse, and it had a few years where um, it had a few years where it was down both in uh, the early 2000s and in the earlier part of this decade. But I think that, oh, I, I think that's probably a minority of the fan base, but I also think that, those fans, they see Ohio State and Michigan and think Penn State, the goal is to be on the same level or better than all of them. When that happens, uh, listen, I mean, there were plenty of fans, myself included, who were wondering about James Franklin's job security a few weeks ago. So there are plenty of of people who are not satisfied with the progress of the program. Although I think the last, you know, two months or so, so ease that up a lot but yeah the eventual plan is to get back on par with 
uh, Penn State, uh, Ohio State, and Michigan, and we were expecting next year to be the year where that happened, and we're a bit ahead of schedule, which I don't think anyone can complain about. Uh, yeah, what, what do you think about this, Chris? I'm interested to hear it from your perspective. Uh, in in terms of in terms of Penn State, or what, what do you mean? Uh, uh, both in terms of Penn State and Michigan State. Well, um, you know, back in uh, like 2010, 2011, when MSU and Wisconsin were, MSU back then. I mean, MSU and Wisconsin were kind of atop the league, and and we talked about. Um, we we had we had a fun thing with Wisconsin fans about how MSU Wisconsin was the real rivalry of the Big Ten and, and stuff like that, and because Wisconsin was winning Big Ten titles and and MSU was, and how that was a bigger deal than Michigan Ohio State. But uh, yeah, in terms of how I look at what Penn State should be, it's uh, it's hard to say. You know, Pennsylvania recruiting is there, there's talent up there, but. I know James Franklin has to bring it back from a lot too. Uh, I, it, it, there's a lot of, I think, you know, they're more, they maybe should be in that spot more than, than a Nebraska should, you know, the, the fact that Nebraska still, some Nebraska fans think they should be a top college football or something like that. So probably, you know, above the Nebraska level, below the Notre Dame level, Maybe a little lower than the Miami level of where teams that were teams that were once great should should continue to be great. I mean, Miami's got the recruiting, but there are a lot of hindrances to that job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can understand it, but I also think yeah. I think there's a good chunky based on what I've seen of Penn State fans who kind of know the know the situation. Yeah, uh, but the big thing is we all agree that Ohio State. Uh, mine and Nick's all-time favorite college football program is going to take down Michigan, and Penn State's going to beat Michigan State, and we're going to at least myself, maybe Nick and Chris, if you get uh, if you get really eager, are going to be in Indianapolis next weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. I was going. To, we all agree on Ohio State taking down uh, Michigan, yeah, and I mean, Penn State taking down oh, Michigan State, and Penn State ending up in Indianapolis. That yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to say. Um, Indianapolis, I don't know if any of you guys have been or to any of the Penn any of the Penn State fans listening. It's an awesome, yeah, big event city. I, I've been there. I've been there for several Final Fours. I've been there for several Big Ten tournaments for all the Big Ten football championships MSU played in, and it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, hotels, I believe, are difficult to come by. I have my wife's grandma lives there, so we always stay there, but. Um, it's fun. It's, it's it's a lot. Big Ten Championship Day is a lot, a lot of fun. You can there's a lot of bars right all within walking distance of the stadium. There's a there's a mall in there. Downtown is really great. Yeah. Um, they generally will split half of the bars and make some of them one team and make some of them the other. Um, every time I go, it's a lot of fun. They also have the convention center where they have a lot of stuff going on there, and that takes you right up to the game. Um, it's a it's a really really fun experience. And if if Penn State if you guys go, I would recommend to all the Penn State fans you can get there to go because it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I went for the Big Ten tournament a few years ago, and it was I was really surprised at how much I loved it. I mean, everything I know about the state of Indiana is based on the movie Hoosiers and Parks and Rec. So when I ended up going there, I was like, oh, wow, this place is kind of awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Nick, would you be heading to Indianapolis, or would you have to sit that one out? Uh, 
I would probably not go. Nerd. But yeah, I mean it the thought crossed my mind, but I would rather if I was gonna think about doing a trip for a postseason game, I would rather save money to go to a prospective bowl game. That's fair. I mean I guess you guys out in Pennsylvania it's a lot farther of a drive as opposed to here in Michigan it's about a four and a half hour drive. Yeah, it's and- like yeah, and I'm down in Virginia too, so I'm even further. Okay, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess you know if they go to um, a bowl game, that's also a possibility. So yeah. I guess it depends on where. You, that's why I don't like how the Big Ten tournaments going down over to DC, DC and yeah. New York. Yeah, and stuff, I'm pumped because I like going to. I like everything in Indy because it's pretty close to me. But I guess when your conference is expanding, it's kind yeah. of yeah. Listen, man, they get, tried, they tried to tap into those New, Jer- those New York and D.C. media markets in the only way that makes sense, which is add Rutgers and Maryland. So they, they got to pay it off at some time, you know? I get to drive 20 minutes east to watch Big Ten tournament basketball nice. this year. I'm pumped. I had to drive eight hours west for it when I was a senior in college. That was my spring break. Neither here nor there. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the next time you all hear from us, uh, Neither Nick nor I have voices because we're we were busy screaming and celebrating a, a Big Ten East championship. Uh, but do not expect another one AM podcast. Yeah, we're not doing well. That's also because the game this game is a night game, and yeah, so that's I mean there is that. But yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully the next time we do this, it's a uh, it's a very celebratory podcast, which it probably will be either way uh, because Penn State has a good chance of winning ten football games this year, but. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we probably, eh, we may, if the opportunity presents itself, to bring Chris back on either for that or sometime in the future. And Chris, thank you very much for joining us. We went a bit long, but it was a great episode of the pod, I think. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you for the uh, WrestleMania pod. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> that thing will go three hours, so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll worry about that when we get to it. So, yeah, uh, make sure that hop onto the site, uh, read everything we do on there. Uh, follow us on our various social media channels. Uh, we've said them a million times, don't need to say them again. All the sites you can subscribe to the pod, they're going to be in the body of the post. Uh, and again, we've said it a million times. Buy some Tutties gear. We decided to uh, roll those out recently. Te- we have t-shirts for men, women, children. We have hoodies. They're apparently beautiful hoodies. Uh, I still have to order mine. I'll probably, I hopefully can end up doing that after this episode of the pod. We'll have to see. And yeah, just... Uh, Keep supporting the site, and thank you very much for listening. For Chris Vanini and Nick Pollock, I am Bill DeFilippo. Take care, y'all. O-H-I-O.